Welcome to the Jam Pack Report today for June the 18th of 2023. My name is Samuel Adams, and on today's show, we are talking all about the Xbox Game Showcase Extended, digging into the highlights because while it didn't bring the same level of hype as the main showcase, the Extended Showcase had some brand new announcements like Phasmophobia coming to console, Hi-Fi Rush is getting a big arcade update, we also have High on Life DLC on the way, big stuff like that alongside 10 pretty good-looking indie games making their way to Xbox Game Pass one of which I am very excited about. We're also talking about Titanfall 3 dying. So, you know, if you want to stick around and feel really sad, then you can check out the rest of the pun. Just kidding, we're keeping it light, but we are going to talk about that. Anyways, I'm rambling. Without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it. In case you missed it, there are two episodes of the Jam Pack Report that dropped last week, one on Monday talking about the Xbox Game Showcase, and one on Wednesday digging into the news from the Ubisoft Forward, and both were very good presentations. I think that Ubisoft Forward was probably the biggest shocker of Summer Game Fest for me, because the games they debuted looked really good. And of course, we're talking about Star Wars Outlaws, we're talking about Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, and I think we could be seeing a big turnaround for Yubi in a way that I don't think anybody probably expected. I mean, keep in mind, this company was about to be acquired in a hostile takeover just a couple of years ago, so this is a pretty big change of trajectory. But if you want to recap all of the news from those showcases, those episodes are out now on YouTube and podcast services. Now let's talk about the Xbox Game Showcase Extended, and this is basically the director's cut of the Xbox game showcase where if they had four hours of footage and they had to trim the fat down to two hours this is what was cut and there's some good content here we're talking about deep conversations with developers behind games like 33 immortals Towerborn, avowed as well uh, but if you don't want to watch that because it is pretty lengthy uh, you can just check out the recap blog here like we are titled everything we revealed at xbox game showcase extended 2023 there they have recaps of the conversations around taking a deeper dive into the showcase trailer of Avowed, Towerborn. The Phil Spencer conversation with 33 Immortals developers, Thunder Lotus, is very good. Uh, and I will say, just to touch on this one for a moment, you don't see Jim Ryan at PlayStation having a sit-down conversation going hands-on with an indie game and asking questions to the developers. He could be doing that behind the scenes, and it may just not be his personality or the PlayStation's marketing strategy to have Jim Ryan out there really having the conversations. But I feel like it's really nice to see the head of Xbox getting into the weeds of why are there 33 co-op players in your new game? What are you trying to do here? What was the vision behind creating 33 Immortals? Those kind of questions coming from the head of Xbox and not just some middle manager that handles the indie game stuff, that's really nice to see. And I think that it shows the passion that Phil Spencer has for the industry. And of course, if you follow Sarah Bond on Instagram, uh, she was also posting some pics throughout the showcase season, and she showed Phil Spencer checking out Vampire Survivors DLC behind the scenes, playing in between shots uh, as they recorded or as they were doing it live. And so I think that kind of stuff just shows what kind of leadership Xbox has. And is Xbox in the best spot that it could possibly be right now? No, there are plenty of ways that it could be better. I think Phil Spencer is a phenomenal leader and potentially one of the best executives in the gaming industry right now. He's great and passionate about what he does. Uh, so if you want to hear that conversation, I would recommend checking out the entire video, but it's very, very well done. 
They also whipped out Keanu Reeves to talk more about Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty. And it's funny because Keanu is somewhere in between a typical celebrity interview where he is just kind of making stuff up as he goes because this man is busy. I'm sure that he's played plenty of Cyberpunk through the years as he's been working on it. But I can't imagine that he's going to be sitting there doing deep dives into character builds and things like that. This man's busy. This man's out here making movies. This is John Wick we're talking about. Uh, but he talks more about Phantom Liberty, the vibe that it brings, the underbelly of the underworld, if you will, as I think how he describes it. But Keanu does a great job. The interviewer does a great job. Really awesome conversation there ahead of the release of Cyberpunk 20. 77 Phantom Liberty this September, I believe, if I remember correctly. Uh, but of course, this is the expansion that includes Idris Elba. If you want to check that out, going to be a very big shift for Cyberpunk 2077. In fact, uh, it resets more of the game than you would expect. It's a really good diving in point because a lot of the character attributes are kind of reset across the board. So it's kind of a fresh experience that goes alongside the main Cyberpunk 2077 story. Then we also saw High on Life, which is getting a horror comedy DLC, High on Knife. And if you haven't played High on Life, this is basically a spinoff DLC that features Knifey. Who knows what's going on here, but the lighting effects in the game look really solid. Of course, horror comedy is going to be the vibe you get from this because it is a very funny game. Uh, High on Life is available right now on Game Pass if you do want to check it out. But they write, Squatch Games appeared to show us High on Knife, a DLC expansion for the acclaimed High on Life. Taking the game in a horror comedy direction, High on Knife stars Knifey, the bloodthirsty melee weapon voiced by Michael Husack. The trailer shows off new characters, enemies, and biomes, and also introduces us to a brand new character and gun. Enter Harper, the newest gun of High on Life universe, voiced by Sarah Sherman from SNL. You can check out more about High on Life in the full article. This is not going to be one I check out on day one. I'll probably pick it up in a DLC sale somewhere along the way. I enjoyed High on Life. It wasn't my game of the year. The comedy was funny. The gunplay was pretty good. I'd probably rated like... 8 out of 10, I think is a pretty good fair landing point for that one. Uh, but for High on Knife specifically, it's just nice to see Squatch Games continuing on because they were kind of embroiled in the middle of that controversy with Justin Roiland, who had some accusations levied at him. I think a lot of that investigation stuff is still outstanding. But with Squatch Games, they said that he had not been involved deeply in the development of High on Life. The same thing going with Rick and Morty and the team that makes that show possible. So to see Squatch Games build out this High on Knife DLC shows that they are going to be able to capture that uh, experience that High on Life brought, capture that funny comedy, uh, and continue to iterate on it and continue it without having to lean on one specific piece of creative or one piece uh, of the creative team, I should say. So High on Knife on the way. You can check out more on the YouTube channel or on the blog post itself. Then they showed off new gameplay of Lies of P. If you haven't, there is also a free demo out now across all platforms for Lies of P. I sat down to check it out, really impressed with what they're bringing so far. A lot of games try to bring that Souls kind of experience. You know, they try to emulate Bloodborne uh, and, and recapture that magic. And I think Lies of P is weird. Very strange game, uh, but it does the combat really well. It sets the world tone really well, uh, and I'm really enjoying my time with the demo. I have not finished it. I have beaten the first boss, and I got to say, got pretty frustrated, which is when you know it's a good Souls game. Because if I think that I'm a horrible gamer and I really never want to pick up a controller again, that's when you know that Souls games are being done well. So dive in, check that one out. I'm pretty impressed with that one myself. 
We also got a look at the Microsoft Flight Simulator Dune expansion. Shout out to Paris Lilly, who went behind the scenes uh, to check out one of those little vehicles they've got in the Dune universe. It's kind of a cross-promotional item between Dune Part 2 and Microsoft Flight Simulator, but still cool to see nonetheless. Sinua Saga Hellblade 2 got a behind-the-scenes look of the latest trailer, definitely one of the standouts from the Xbox Game Showcase itself, and of course, those deeper dives are great for the people that want to go further in. For me, I'm going to try and stay away from Hellblade 2 conversation and deep dives. I want to see gameplay, but I don't need to know too much about what's happening because I want to go in fresh into that world after finishing off the first Hellblade game a couple of years ago. We got some new reveals as well. They talked more about variant exosuits and Savage Gauntlet, uh, which bring even more customization and player choice to Exoprimal. This is launching into Game Pass in July. Uh, this is a new game that was shown off in the Capcom uh, showcase as well. It's just Dino Crisis, but not, you know, and I just wish that maybe they had just made a Dino Crisis game or remastered an old school Dino Crisis for Exoprimal, it's a live service game with a battle pass. We've got too many of those as is, and I can't see myself diving into this one too deeply outside of just checking it out because it's on Game Pass. Just my two cents there, fine looking game, uh, and I believe there's also going to be an open beta test soon, so you can stay tuned for more info on that on their main uh, Twitter channel, social channels, all of that good stuff. The First Descendant has a cross-play beta starting on Tuesday, August 22nd and running a week until Monday, August the 28th. Uh, this was a really weird-looking third-person looter shooter. Visually stunning. Uh, it is what I hope Outriders 2 will be if that game ever sees the light of day. Uh, still trying to figure out what the mechanics are that make this a game that I would want to check out. I think that it kind of feels a little bit like Warframe to me. So if this is going to be a live service game, once again, too many of those right now in my life. So I probably won't get too deeply into this. But visually, very impressive game on the Xbox Series X. I think it's going to be one of the showcases of the third party games that we see this year. So definitely stay tuned for more. Check that out. The first Descendant crossplay beta happening August 22nd and once again running through Monday, August the 28th. Then we saw more of the indies that are coming onto the scene in 2023 and 2024, including Go Mecha Ball, as well as the Lamplighters League, which is launching day one into Xbox Game Pass, coming out on October the 3rd. We also saw Lightyear Frontier getting into its mech-based multiplayer farming. This is one that definitely requires friends, in my opinion, but visually good-looking game. I like the art style they're bringing here, uh, and I'm excited to see more of it. This is another Game Pass game, and I think this is going to be a good example of why Game Pass provides value. We've seen plenty of them through the years. Back for Blood is one that comes to mind, but if you have four players that have Game Pass... You can just check it out. Even if you're not super into what you're seeing here, you can dive in, check it out on day one. And if you don't like it, you can move on. But you might fall in love with it. And it might be your friend group game of the year. Who knows what the possibilities are. But you join Kelly, Carolina, Sebastian, and Anita as they start their homestead together on the Lightyear Frontier. Complete with an overhauled new design for the mech. Good little deep dive in the Xbox Game Showcase Extended. Phasmophobia is coming to Xbox. It's coming to Xbox Series X and S in August 2023. It's a four-player online co-op psychological horror game. You and your team of paranormal investigators will enter haunted locations filled with paranormal activity and try to gather as much evidence as you can. Use your ghost hunting equipment to find and record evidence to sell to a ghost removal team. Uh, Phasmophobia is a game that has been making the rounds on PC over the past couple of years. It's been big in the streaming space as well. Really entertaining game to watch, and it definitely has kind of a Blair Witch vibe to it. Uh, and by the way, 
that game's not that bad. Pretty good little game there. I think that was on Game Pass a few years ago as well, but definitely an indie approach here. This is not something that has the big AAA um, polish you would expect. Like, this is not a Dead Space remake level horror game, but it's something creepy, something that's going to be good for the winter, uh, or I should say the Halloween season, not quite winter, so... August, it's launching into game preview. Then as we get closer to September and October, more and more people are going to be able to check it out. Uh, But cool to see this one making its way to console, which is always nice whenever you see a game come from PC and make its way over to more players around the world, 150 million of which are on Xbox right now. So cool stuff to see making its way over to the Xbox platform away from just the PC exclusivity. Then ID at Xbox revealed 10 games coming to Xbox Game Pass. They include Galactic Air, Tectonica, Another Crab's Treasure, The Wandering Village, Neon White, yes, Harold Halibut, Minico's Night Market, The Bookwalker, Sea of Stars, and Little Kitty Big City. You can read more about all of those games on their separate post on the Xbox Wire, and we are going to go over there right now because they have some really good games coming to Game Pass. And this is what I love about Game Pass specifically is that, yes, you do get those big day one games like your Gears games, like Halo, like Forza. Those are all great, and there are plenty of those on the way. Starfield is the prime example. But I love the indie side as well. The indies are what make Game Pass such a great value for somebody like me, because if you just go to those big AAA games, you get plenty of value, but you don't get as much as you could. If you love just diving in, checking out whatever new game hit the service, you are going to explore and find so many cool games. I have found so many games that have become some of my favorites because of Game Pass and Neon White is one that I've been waiting for for a very long time. Of course, this launched on PlayStation and Nintendo Switch, I believe, if I remember correctly, or maybe it was just PC and Nintendo Switch. Either way, when it launched, it was not available on Xbox, and so I was waiting on this one to come to Xbox for a long time. The fact that it's on Game Pass makes the deal even sweeter, but this is effectively a speedrunning game with a card system baked into it, where it's not really a weapon system, more of just using weapons that are on cards. So really cool-looking gameplay, Been waiting a long time for that one. Absolutely checking that one out on day one. But the rest of these games look good as well. You know, plenty of different experiences, a wide variety, depending on what you want to check out. Uh, There is a little something for everybody here. And the indie space in the Xbox Game Pass world is absolutely thriving. So dive into the blog. Check out some stuff that they announced. Uh, There is definitely going to be something there you're probably going to be interested in. Then they shared more about the Developer Accelerator program, and this is basically what I would consider to be the indie games of indie games. These are the people that are just building a game in a spare bedroom or have a small team in a garage making a passion project. The Developer Accelerator program provides a bit of seed funding to help make that possible. And I love that Xbox is getting involved on this level, and while every game might not speak to you or might not speak to me, it's just nice to see Xbox supporting the industry because the first game can turn into the second game and the second game can turn into the next Hades or the next Bastion or the next whatever big indie game you want to throw out there. These developers that are learning the ropes, that are testing the waters, are definitely creating the future of where this industry is going. And not every team will pan out to be the next big indie developer. But they are absolutely the lifeblood of the future of this industry, without a doubt. So Xbox is definitely getting in there and kind of nurturing that through the years. 
We also talked more about the updates that are coming soon. We have the Elder Scrolls Online Necrom, uh, which is dropping in just a couple of days on June the 20th. Fallout 76 got its Once in a Blue Moon trailer. This is a new public event, or I should say two new public events, Safe and Sound and Beast of Burden, which are launching in Appalachia in Fallout 76 on June the 20th. Then we get to the Hi-Fi Rush Arcade Challenge, and this is something that was kind of teased a couple of weeks ago by some achievements that were added to Steam, Uh, but this brings some additional content to Hi-Fi Rush that's going to make it more appealing to go back and dive in. They write, Tango Gameworks revealed their hit game Hi-Fi Rush will be getting new content next month with the Arcade Challenge update. This update will include a variety of new content, including two new game modes, BMP Rush and Power Up Tower Up, featuring new music as well as a grab bag of new player customizations and special attacks. The Arcade Challenge update will be coming on July 5th, free for all players who already own the game. Hi-Fi Rush is available now on Xbox Series X, S, and PC, and you can play it via Xbox Game Pass. This is that arcade indie darling that came out earlier this year, and it's awesome to see it getting some more content. I think it's great to see just a free little update with a couple of new ways to experience the game, because after I finished the story, I was totally out. Didn't feel like going back and completing any of the challenges and stuff. This is probably going to get me back in. So if you want to dive into the arcade challenge update, that drops on July the 5th. And so that's the Xbox Game Showcase Extended, and in my opinion, it did exactly what it needed to do. It supplemented the main show and gave players that wanted more information those additional details, but it also baked in some really cool announcements along the way. My favorite from the show was absolutely Neon White finally coming to Xbox, and the fact that it's coming to Game Pass makes that deal even sweeter. I've been waiting for that one for a very long time. But of course, Hi-Fi Rush getting an update, Phasmophobia coming to consoles, seeing those live service games continue to get more content for the players that enjoy them. Love to see all of that. So I think this show was great. The Xbox Game Showcase was good. This made it even better. And I'll tell you what else is getting even better. The revenue coming in for Xbox, because according to Phil Spencer, Xbox is thrashing the 360 era in terms of revenue. This comes from Fraser Gilbert over at Pure Xbox. Xbox boss Phil Spencer is busy doing the rounds following last week's Xbox Game Showcase 2023, and something he mentioned as part of a press briefing is that the brand is doing much better than it was during the Xbox 360 generation. As highlighted by GamesIndustry.biz, Spencer pointed out that a lot of people look back at the 360 era as the glory days, but from a revenue standpoint, Xbox is actually twice as big of a business as it was back then. He says, quote, I often get asked, how are you doing? I'll get people who will harken back, some people in this room, to the Xbox 360 years as being the heyday of Xbox. And I was there, and I love what Xbox 360 meant for where we are today. But for you to understand, our business right now, from a revenue standpoint, is about twice the size it was during the Xbox 360 generation. Spencer went on to talk about how Xbox has more players now than ever, while also noting that Microsoft's last quarter was the biggest non-holiday gaming quarter in the history of us being in the gaming business. Finally, he also mentioned that the team is going to do $1 billion in PC revenue this year. Despite the impressive figures, Spencer explained that the main way Xbox measures success is through how many people are playing our games, hyping up the fact that the portfolio now boasts over 150 million monthly players. Really cool stats here, and I love digging into the numbers whenever they're available because we don't get these deeper looks very often. I know that more and more companies are being kind of secretive of how they're doing financially. I know that Microsoft discloses a lot because of the size of the business, and with Microsoft proper, you can kind of see the breakdown. But things like actual Game Pass user numbers, monthly player counts, 
That kind of stuff is kind of hard to come by from time to time. And so the fact that we have 150 million monthly players, very strong Xbox community, PC doing a billion dollars in revenue this year, very impressive. But I love the fact that it's double the size of the Xbox 360 generation in terms of revenue. That shows a healthy company. Now, a couple of things to consider here. The size of the gaming industry is way bigger than it was back then. The size of the gaming population is way bigger than it was back then. Because if you're like me and I'm 26, the Xbox 360 was the console to play during that generation. That was where my friends were. And so now that we're talking about a console that is more than 10 years old, way more than 10 years old at this point, uh, you're looking back on that and you're thinking about it from a nostalgia point of view you're thinking about it uh, from what it meant to you this next generation of players that grew up potentially with the ps4 and the xbox one as their ps3 and 360 they don't have that same kind of affinity and so the fact that revenue is doubling shows a growth of the gaming population but it also shows a growth of the xbox brand as one of the destinations that generation is going so all of these factors come into play but ultimately the fact that growth is happening is key and phil spencer is Pretty bullish on the way that the Xbox brand is growing right now. So I'm impressed with these figures, and I'd love to know what you think about them down below. We've all known that Titanfall 3 was on the way, and we've all known that it was canceled. Huge bummer for a lot of people like myself that thought Titanfall 2 was one of the best FPS games of the Xbox One and PS4 generation. But did you know Titanfall 3 was not only canceled, it was canceled by Respawn after they had worked on it for 10 months. Let's head over to IGN's Wesley Yinpool, who has the write-up on what an ex-dev has said. Wesley writes, Respawn Entertainment worked on Titanfall 3 in earnest for 10 months before ditching it for Apex Legends, a former developer has revealed. Muhammad Alavi, who became narrative lead designer on Titanfall 3 before it was cut, told the Burnett work that much work on the sequel had been done. He says, quote, Titanfall 2 came out, did what it did, and we were like, okay, we're going to make Titanfall 3. And we worked on Titanfall 3 for about 10 months, right? In earnest, right? We had new tech for it, we had multiple missions going, we had a first playable, which was on par to be just as good, if not better, than whatever we had before, right? But I'll make this clear, incrementally better. It wasn't revolutionary, and that's the key thing. And we were feeling pretty decent about it, but not the same feeling as Sidefall 2, where we were making something revolutionary, you know what I mean? So what happened? According to a lobby, it was a combination of the multiplayer team having issues making an experience that didn't burn players out quickly, and the explosion of the Battle Royale genre with the release of PUBG in 2017. The multiplayer team was having a hell of a time trying to fix the multiplayer, because a lot of people love the multiplayer. People love Titanfall 2 multiplayer, Alavi said. But the people who love Titanfall 2 multiplayer is a very small number of people, and most people play Titanfall 2 multiplayer and think it's really good, but it's just too much. It's cranked up to 11, and they burn out a bit fast. And they're like, that was a great multiplayer, that's not something I continually play a year for two years, right? So we're trying to fix that. We're trying to fix that from Titanfall 1 to 2, trying to fix it from Titanfall 2 to 3. The multiplayer team was just dying, and then PUBG came out. Respawn developers were seemingly more interested in playing a Battle Royale map with Titanfall 3 classes the team had put together than any of the standard Titanfall multiplayer modes they were working on. This prompted a realization, ditch Titanfall 3, which may or may not have ended up being a better game than its predecessor, to create a Battle Royale that was wonderful. Quote, at that time, I had literally just become the narrative lead designer on Titanfall 3. I had just pitched the story, the whole game that me and Manny had come up with. We made this big presentation and then we went off at break and came back from break and we talked about it and we were like, yeah, we need to pivot and we need to go make this game. We literally canceled Titanfall 3 ourselves because we were like, we can make this game and it's going to be Titanfall 2 plus a little bit better or we can make this thing, which is clearly amazing. 
And don't get me wrong, I will always miss having another Titanfall. I love that game. Titanfall 2 is my most crowning achievement, but it was the right call. That is a crazy cut. Such a crazy cut that EA didn't even know about it for another six months until we had a prototype up and running that we could show them. This is a crazy story, and it's kind of this stuff that I love hearing about from the behind-the-scenes teams that are working, uh, because they worked on it for 10 months, and they pulled the plug on Titanfall 3 to make Apex Legends, and they didn't tell EA for six months. They did not tell the publisher of the game they had been making for six months, but Apex Legends ends up being what it is today, and while it might not be the go-to battle royale for a lot of people from time to time, depending on what new content is out there, depending on what competitors are entering the space, Apex Legends has stuck around. It has become a continual part of the conversation when it comes to, hey, what BR are you playing right now? You've got Fortnite, you've got Apex Legends, you've got Warzone. Those are kind of the three big ones that come to mind at the moment. And some come and go from time to time, but those are the three big boys. And it has been a long-standing game in that space. It was clearly the right choice, because Apex Legends right now, I would say, is bigger than Titanfall would have ever been hate to be that guy, but the BR boom really put that game on the map. And that's not to say that Titanfall 3 couldn't be a thing in the future. It would be awesome to, even if they don't want to work on it right now, see Titanfall come back in 10 years with something that has double next-gen graphics, you know, whatever you want to call it. There is a world that they have created that very well can still be redeemed right now. Apex Legends is the focus, and that totally makes sense. Now, of course, Respawn makes a ton of other things. We're talking about Star Wars, Jedi Survivor, that kind of content. Uh, And who knows what else could be coming from them. But they've got a lot of talented developers behind the scenes. And for them to make this choice was clearly the right one to make, as much as it might hurt people like myself that absolutely loved Titanfall. So, it is what it is. Titanfall 3 will not see the light of day, at least not anytime soon. And finally, to round up today's show, Diablo 4 is making a ton of money. In fact, it has earned more than $666 million in sales in its first five days. See what they did there, because because Satan, uh, setting a new Blizzard record for the studio. The first five days of sales for the new Blizzard game outgrossed the worldwide box office for all horror films released in 2023 combined. And they talk more about the success of the game compared to other games, but I want to get down to the numbers specifically. Here's a look at Diablo 4's first week. There have been 276 billion total monsters killed, 317 million player deaths, 276 million total hours played since early access. That is more than 30,000 years, or enough time to watch everything on YouTube with 13,500 years to spare. More than 166 million player parties have been created, 5.8 million total deaths have been served by the Butcher, 430,000 players have been killed in PvP battle, and it is the number one game on Twitch from early access on June 1st through June the 9th, breaking previous Blizzard records for hours streamed and watched over a similar period. This stat about Twitch is pretty wild, because this is talking about Overwatch as well. That shows a very significant uptick for Diablo 4. They also say that's not all. Many players are competing in the hardcore race to level 100 without dying for a chance to be immortalized. Some, like Woody Joe, succeeded. Others met a far worse fate. And they talk more about the reviews and the impressions and things like that, but Diablo 4 is absolutely killing it. I'm playing it right now as well, and while I haven't been able to put tons of time into it, 
I think that I hit level 36 last night. I just got the mount in the campaign, so I'm just taking my time going through it. Been very busy lately, a couple of different trips and things in between. Uh, I'm really loving my time with it, and if you are a big fan of RPGs, this is the best Diablo game that has come out to date. Now, I'll see what it looks like in the end game. We'll see how long I end up sticking with it. I can tell you right now, I personally probably won't be coming back for the seasonal content just because this is not my kind of game that I want to stick with week after week after week. But Diablo 4 is absolutely dominating. Over 666 million in sales and players are through the roof in terms of player count, in terms of engagement, in terms of conversation. Game is killing it. So congrats to the team at Blizzard because you guys have a winner on your hands. As if anybody ever doubted that would be the case. But that wraps up today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you're new here and you enjoy what you see or what you hear, be sure to hit that subscribe button on YouTube or add the show to your podcast feed of choice and get it delivered to you every single Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. But until next time, you guys have a fantastic week and as always, keep on playing.